first episode of the Assure Care Complete Care podcast series. Today we'll be discussing current medication management issues and ways to improve patient outcomes. My guests today are Jim Gardner, the Executive Vice President of Product Strategy, and Steve Joes, the Vice President of Product Management at SureCare. Jim is a clinical pharmacist with over 20 years experience both in retail and pharmacy benefits management, and Steve has over 10 years experience within technology, both from a marketing and product management perspectives. Uh, thank you both for being here and welcome, guys. Hey, Patrick. So glad to join you for this first edition podcast. I'm honored to be part of it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Patrick. Thank you. Uh, so this year has been extremely difficult on the healthcare system. Uh, how's the pharmacy system been coping? And can you tell me a little bit more on how pharmacists have been impacted, Jim? Yeah, I, you know, the recent pandemic with COVID, it's really had pharmacies starting to refocus and doing new things. And so one of the big things a lot of the retailers out there have been doing is they've been focusing on testing for COVID. So a brand new scope for them. And so many of the larger retailers have set up testing sites. And again, it's changing their business model. They're starting um, businesses where they can work with an employer to start opening up testing within their pharmacy. So what it really has done in the pharmacy space, it's caused a lot of work. Um, You know, pharmacists are very focused on getting the right things done for COVID and their patients. And it's, you know, they've had to put up barriers. So again, you know, they've, reduce the number of times a patient would come into a pharmacy because, you know, everybody's concerned about COVID and the exposure. Um, But it's also opened up the door for pharmacists to begin providing additional services. And and as I said, they've been involved in the COVID testing sites. They've been involved in counseling with patients. And it really is opening that door. And as we see the vaccine coming to market, pharmacists will be part of the distribution process and even begin administering the vaccination. So it's opening up that door of the relationship between pharmacists and health plans in a greater way. Okay. Yeah, when I go to my uh, pharmacy right now, it's, it's uh, uh, kind of a stressful time. You've got a lot of uh, social distancing and specific lines, whether it be from a, a drive-up standpoint or only a certain amount of people allowed in, inside the pharmacy itself. Um, with the vaccine hopefully coming down the road with 2021, uh, how do you see pharmacies and health plans are preparing it? How is that going to change uh, the way the way they're uh, traditionally run? Yeah, I think uh, the health plans are going to begin looking for pharmacies to provide and dis- distribute, provide and administer those vaccinations. And it's going to change the way health plans think about who they pay for those services. So I think the pharmacist has really come to the forefront with the COVID vaccinations. And as long as the pharmacists can get access and be, you know, have access to the vaccinations, health plans will begin looking for them. You know, another thing that I didn't mention when we were talking about, um, you know, the impact on pharmacies is health plans have been very proactive in making sure that a member could get, you know, for their chronic meds, they could get a 90-day supply. But again, I think, you know, with the vaccinations coming, you're going to see a greater um, reliance of the health plan on the pharmacies, which is great for the pharmacy profession. Something that a lot of people are waiting for for a long time. Okay, thank you. Um, from financial impact, is this really going to put a lot of pressure on pharmacists? Well, financial impacts have been there for many, 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 many years for the pharmacist. And, you know, the biggest debate has always been I'm not getting reimbursed enough for the the medications I provide. And so there really has to be 
enough reimbursement for the administration of the vaccinations, for the supplying of the vaccinations. And so, you know, the new models that are going to have to come out we're, we're, are going to have to reward the pharmacists for doing these services. You know, and, and as I look at it, and I, I used to own my own stores, and I always joke that pharmacists are dumb business people. And I say that about myself because we want to help people out. We want to do the right thing for people. And we are never really worried about the reimbursement piece of this because we just want to help people out. And it's time to shift and change. And, you know, instead of pharmacists saying I have a financial impact because the medications aren't being reimbursed properly, it's any new business, any, any old business needs to be thinking out there, how do I change my model so I can start making money? And that time is now. And I think because of COVID, um, some of these financial impacts will change and pharmacists will now start getting reimbursed for the services they provide. So again, it's time to move away from the worry about my drug dispensing. You know, okay, health plans need to reimburse me. PBMs need to reimburse me for the cost of that drug. But let's start focusing on the quality of care that pharmacists can provide to patients today. Okay, great. Um, how about the quality of care? Uh, I know with everything uh, happening right now, it just it feels like that's uh, kind of decreased. Yeah, and I think, again, you know, I pointed out quality of care, and I think quality of care needs to be measured. And so pharmacists need to be rewarded for improving the quality of care for the patients they serve. And so, you know, one measurement out there is NCQA. So they have quality measures that are called HEDIS measures. And pharmacists need to be engaged in them and make sure that they're closing the gaps in care that a patient has, meaning that they're not getting the service. A patient may not be getting the service, but that pharmacist can step in and provide quality of care. The pharmacist could start, you know, filling those gaps and then show to a health plan how they've driven that quality of care. And they need to start moving away from rushing to see how many prescriptions I could fill to now thinking about how many clinical services that have an impact, that provide quality of the care for that patient. How many of those things can I now start doing and showing the results and showing the outcomes get reimbursed for those services provided. So I think you're going to see that paradigm shift. You're going to see that shift of the pharmacist making sure they are providing quality services to a patient. Okay, great. Um, Steve and Jim, recently you two built a medication management module. Um, how does it really help with these issues and uh, what does it address? Well, let's give Steve a chance because I to talk because I've done all the talking. So Steve, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So when we first started looking into the medication management module, one of the things that stood out was that a lot of these activities relative to medication management beyond dispensing, um, they'd been around for a while. Um, there had been, there's been an MTM medication therapy management component to uh, CMS with CMS for some time now. Um, there's always been issues with uh, medication adherence and these kinds of activities where, you know, to Jim's point, the pharmacist really helped out. Um, but a lot of the time the pharmacist is spending is, uh, you know, it's interesting when you look at the list of daily responsibilities for a pharmacist, it's, you know, are they a medical professional? Are they a, a, a restaurant owner? I mean, there's all sorts of temperatures that have to be monitored and things of that nature. Um, you know, they've got tons of reporting. They have a lot going on and it's all very different work. And so um, the idea of being able to, you know, 
to deliver these additional clinical services when you have somebody who's on 22 different medications and you might be the person who sees them the most, you might, and you probably are more than their doctor, you're in a unique position as a pharmacist to be able to help manage their care. But your day is, is geared toward and centers around so much the dispensing of the medication. It's hard to get much else in. And so as we looked at building out the medication management module, we looked at it from, a, from that perspective of how do we make something that is kind of amorphous, right? Like you, you're going to have to have a, an in-depth conversation with a, a patient to understand why they're not taking their medication correctly or uh, to, to uncover the fact that they're taking a multivitamin in the morning that's not going to show up on their meds list and that it conflicts with the Synthroid they might be taking and they need to take them at different times of day. You have to have a conversation to get to that level of detail, which takes time uh, that, they, that the pharmacist frequently doesn't have. And so the notion of creating a workflow um, and a module that facilitates maximum efficiency and tries to take those really qualitative uh, discussions, almost case management to our to kind of the rest of our product um, history, uh, member-centric, patient-centric approach of really understanding how these medications are being taken and what their impacts are and how effectively the member understands what it is that they're supposed to be doing. How do you take that and make it the conversation as efficient as possible. You're never going to make it as efficient as dis dispensing medication, right? Because you're putting you get pills, you put them in a bottle, you hand them to the person, you ask if they got if they have any questions. It's never going to be that fast, but it could be a lot faster than it was. And uh, we really looked at that when we came to look at the user workflow uh, for for, our, for as we went into product development. And then we also looked at it from the perspective of how do we facilitate getting more of these items into the same system. Uh, one of the other big efficiency issues that, that um, pharmacists have is that there are a number of different products that have spun off over the years. Uh, outcomes MTM being kind of the big one, but there are others. Uh, they spun off of individual activities and they've tried to expand and to include other things. But at, a, at the end of the day, Pharmacists are frequently logging into one system to do MedSync. They're lo logging into a different system to do outcomes, MTM, and do a CMRs, things that comprehensive medication reviews, things of that nature. And that that in and of itself is very efficient, inefficient. So trying to figure out how do we get everything into one platform, and or at least make that open that possibility up. And then once it's in there, how do we make the workflow as efficient and effective as possible, uh, given everything else that they're working on? Yeah, Patrick, before you go, I just want to jump in there because sure. this was very important to me when I came to AssureCare. So I've been with AssureCare about two years, and the, the promise of an integrated platform was very exciting to me. You know, health plans have a number of systems, pharmacies have a number of systems, but bringing it all together is critical in, you know, making a solid product and a solid product that pharmacists can use very efficiently. And one of the other things Steve didn't mention yet was the ability for a pharmacy technician to be engaged in the process. So when we're looking for efficiencies, this was a huge one because pharmacy technicians are generally underused. And this helps the pharmacist in doing the work. And a technician can get involved in the process, have some of those conversations with the patient. And then it may not even ever have to go to the pharmacist to complete the intervention. And so that is another great efficiency that we built in with the tool. 
So okay. I just wanted to highlight those few things. Thanks. Uh, Steve, you mentioned patient-centric. Um, what does that mean from a pharmacist standpoint? So it means, it's funny, there's a, when we were doing our research, there is a uh, pharmacist uh, patient-centered model. And then there's also what we had built our product around initially with MedCompass on the case management utilization management side, or that, that as CMS defines care management uh, comp- with that complete look, um, there is a, a member-centric model in that uh, sphere as well. And when you take the the pharmacist patient-centric model and the and the case management, care management, member-centric model, we saw just amazing overlap because what that is, is it's taking, in both cases, it's taking all of the data that could be associated to that member's care and bringing it together into a single system. And so when you think about an EMR, it's very provider-centric, right? It's going to be doctor so-and-so's specific view of that person. But that person didn't become somebody else when they went to a specialist or when they went to a pharmacist. And so looking for those from a sort of a strategic perspective, from an AssureCare perspective, we looked at it as who are the people like a health plan uh, who have the most provider uh, expansive view, who can see across all of the different providers that a person might be going to, and how do we work with them uh, to bring all that data in, so that way you can catch things like um, drug interactions or um, different things that they you know, they might be doing that are, you know, especially if you can bring in nutritional information or other assessments that might be able to tell you a little bit more about the how that person's uh, managing their health and how effectively they are the more information you can get about that person as they travel from provider to provider, from pharmacy to pharmacy, the more of that you get, the better chance you have of both improving the outcome for that person and lowering the cost for the for them and for the health plans and for everyone else. And so uh, really being able to have all of that in an ongoing care plan um, approach uh, is really where it's at. And if you look at value-based care, just generally, that's really what that's aiming for, right? It's looking to improve the overall quality of the care someone's getting. And how can you do that if you don't have a complete uh, perspective on what it is that they're doing? And, you know, and, and HIEs and things of that nature help, right? It connects provider information together. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't allow as easily for you to be able to bring in the medication information, <clears throat> the uh, care management information, all of it into the same place where I can say, you're a diabetic you're in heart failure, and I'm going to do an asset. I'm going to do a health risk assessment. I'm going to understand that you have uh, an exercise deficiency, right? You need to lose a couple pounds. You need to take some walks. You need to eat better. Uh, we're going to have those conversations. But at the same time, I can also, because all of it's in one place, I can also identify that you have a, you're non-adherent to your statin, and I'm going to work with you on that issue as well. And that's really the kind of the power of bringing all of the traditional care management componentry in with the medication management uh, piece to really see that whole uh, member's view or patient view. Great. Okay. Um, so with all that being said, who's the really the main benefactor uh, of uh, the solution? So I'll jump in there. And, and to me, it's, you know, one of the very positive things about our system, it is built for health plans. It's built for um, pharmacies, retail pharmacies, specialty pharmacies, dietitians can use the service. So there's a number of stakeholders that can use the platform. And the great thing about this integration is that if you bring it to a retail pharmacy, 
it opens the door for them to provide additional clinical services and even gives them the ability to build a health plan on the medical side. That has been a major challenge for retail pharmacies for many years. So now it opens the door for that retail pharmacist to maybe do, you know, a diabetic coaching session. It may open up to do labs. You know, it's, it's opening up the door for that pharmacist to have that consultation and that conversation with the patient that is so meaningful to a health plan. And on the health plan side, you know, they can use our platform to do medication management reviews. They can do medication management reconciliation. And we've even built out the ability to provide a medication therapy management program for the health plan clients that we have. And additionally, it opens up that door, as I talked about before, that exchange, that collaboration between the retail pharmacy and the, and the health plans. You know, I mentioned dietitians. Our system could be used to help dietitians to do nutrition counseling. So we've actually built out nutrition, nutrition templates for a, a dietitian to work with a patient. And we have connections into patient education and materials that will provide them with information about what's your proper diet. If you have diabetes, what would be a great way to have? You know, what's a good diet for you? So again, we've tied all these pieces together. And again, very, very successful for the health plan and retail pharmacy space. So it sounds like the pharmacy is almost an extension of uh, kind of an outpatient office. Is that correct? Yeah, I think you know, pharmacists can be considered that. And there's been a lot of legislation over the last few years looking at that pharmacist as a provider. And so those there could be pharmacy collaborative, collaboration, collaborative acts that work with a physician and a pharmacist, even enabling them to prescribe. You know, you've got those collaborative acts that are going on. You've got um, provider status being awarded to pharmacists in many states, and it's opened up the door for that pharmacist to be a provider. They're not going to be a provider for complex cases. You know, the okay. physician is very critical in that but they will be able to assist the provider in some of these other cases where, you know, maybe a patient needs a blood pressure check every month. And so they can go to their pharmacist for that as opposed to going to their doctor. You know, as we all always talk about the pharmacist in the community, they're probably one of the most accessible providers out there, the professional or as a professional, they're always accessible to a patient where it's, you know, you have to make an appointment to go see a doctor. Pharmacists are in the community and they're there to serve. So it's opening up those doors. So with the push to uh, value-based payment and value-based care, um, I'm assuming this helps the health plan quite a bit with the expansion of the network. Is that correct? Yes, it does. And, and I think that what we're going to see in the evolution of value-based care, so there's value-based care with providers and, and now this value-based care is moving into the pharmacy space. And I've actually worked with, within the health plan I worked with, providing um, additional funds and fees for pharmacists to do additional services. I can give you a few examples. Like we used to weigh how many complete medications reviews a pharmacist did. And a complete medication review is where a pharmacist sits with a patient and or the technician, and they go over the list of medications the patient's on. And one of the highlights that we see when that conversation happens is, Pharmacists generally identify a problem or, you know, and it's something they need to focus on. And it may require a call to the doctor. It may become 
It may be an interaction. It may be a less expensive medication for the patient. But again, there's generally something that that pharmacist identifies that can help improve the medication regimen for the patient. And, and what you see is when a complete medication review is done and nothing is identified, it's probably a one-to-one -one return on investment for that health plan. But when a pharmacist does a complete medication review and he achieves something, he makes a change in that medication regimen, we saw within the health plan I worked for, we saw like a 21 to one return on investment for that wow. type of action. And so it was very, very valuable. And we really drove that across all of our books of business. You know, CMRs, complete medication reviews are required in the Medicare space. They're not required in uh, Medicaid. They're not required, or at least in not all Medicaid plans. They're not required in, you know, the markets, the exchange business out there. But we used to do that across our whole book of business. And we saw about a four to one return on investment when we initially started the program. And it went down to two and a half to one. But the value of those clinical services that the pharmacist can provide are incredible for a health plan. Okay, great. Um, when you talk about uh, you know, CMRs and TMRs, what types of uh, technology and algorithms are used to uh, kind of do patient intervention, patient uh, intervention and, and kind of identifying high-risk individuals? Yeah, so we've actually built out a number of algorithms. I'd say we've got about 60. And those algorithms are really focused on, you know, a number of things. So medication adherence is one of the encounters we look at. And we've used an industry standard. So there's an organization called Pharmacy Quality Alliance, and we've used their requirements to build our algorithms to identify the populations that need an encounter to have a pharmacist or technician talk to the patient about medication adherence. We've actually built out algorithms that help with a patient for de-prescribing. De so that's one of the new buzzwords in pharmacy today. And de-prescribing is helping a patient, you know, to look at, the, have the pharmacist look at the medication regimen and identify opportunities to remove medications that may not bring value to their care. We've also, um, you know, so those are some of the key ones that I mentioned CMR, just like you mentioned. And so Medicare CMS has rules and regulations on what do you have to identify to identify for, what do you have to look at to identify a patient for complete medication reviews? And we have to look at the number of medications a patient's on. We have to look at the, the cost of patient spends in a year. And we have to look at the number of chronic conditions a patient's has. So we build our algorithms to help work with a plan and they have some leniency on what they'd like to put in the system. And then we identify those patients for a complete medication review. So, you know, again, we've built out, and I'm just estimating about 60 algorithms to help okay. do this patient identification. Great. Yeah, and if I can add on to that a little bit, uh, one of the other things that's a real benefit from an algorithm perspective from having a member-centric system like this that includes all of the case management, utilization management, and medication therapy management uh, is that we all, and beyond that, we also capture, and through that, we also capture uh, various social determinants of health. Uh, your zip code has a, a material impact, right, on what you have access to from a food perspective, from an activity perspective. If you're in a high crime area, you're not maybe going to take as many walks. 
you know, knowing those kinds of things. And so being able to say, to take over time, take those PQA uh, more traditional or standardized measures and start to augment them into something maybe a little bit more proprietary for us um, that also um, that takes into, the, into account those other factors, those things that you would only know if you could bring in a, a person's services history and a person's uh, demographic history and those kinds of things, and then potentially maybe someday ge even genetic componentry, but being able to bring in all of those different aspects um, you know, economic level, education level, preferred language. These are all things that are not necessarily always captured in a, um, in a, in a measurement from PQA or from other organizations, but are wildly important to the overall member's health. If you are, if English is not your first language and you are getting all of your medication direction in English, that could be a problem, right? You could have a better chance of uh, being adherent or taking your medication correctly if you get it in Spanish or French or whatever you need it in. And so uh, being able to take into that, that again, kind of circling back to taking into that whole picture of the, of the patient uh, becomes really uh, impactful and, and critical from a technology perspective. Great. Thanks, Steve. Well, thank you both for being here today. And uh, for our listeners, if you have any questions, please feel free to log on to assuredcare.com backslash contact for more information. I'm your host, Patrick Brown, and uh, thank you. And we hope you join us next time. Take care.